Mark 16, Mark 16, and uh, we're down to verse number 15, and uh, we're going to just move through the chapter here, and uh, actually we're going to get one verse tonight, verse 15. Um, What happens with this passage from, uh, I had made mention a couple times uh, just off that, uh, that the passage from verse 9 to 20 is usually left out of all the new Bibles. It's either got a bar across it and a footnote. They put it in, but they footnote it or bracket it off or something. And I always struck me funny is if you don't believe it shouldn't be in there, then leave it out. You know, and you know, honestly though, if you think about it, common sense tells you it needs to be in. I know what happens with the manuscript evidence, and if we spent the hour going through it, you'd all be asleep and I'd have to wake you all up. But if you think about just the way verse 8 ends, think about verse 8. And they went out quickly and fled from the sepulcher, for they trembled and were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. And that's the end of the book. Well, instantly you know something is we're missing something because there's more to the story. Obviously, 9 through 20. So what the critics do is they say, well, what happened was was Mark ended after verse 8, and then somebody later comes back and wrote back in verse 9 to 20 because you see verse 9 there about Mary Magdalene. So that's our, our reach over. Somebody reached over into John and put it back, and then the two in verse 12, they reached over to Luke and put it back. And, and it's like, wait a second, no way. Okay, now the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, starts on a high note about John, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare you the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John did baptize, and, off, and just high, exciting. And to the end on them, the disciples being afraid and scared and running around, it just doesn't make, common sense tells you there's something missing. Now, the reason why they don't like this passage is because of verse 15, 16, 17, and 18. They don't understand how to take it. They don't understand what it's talking about. So if you read verse 15, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And they say, That's a great, great commission verse. It's a great missionary verse. Go out and do that. But there's something else now. Be, verse 16, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And then they go, see, look, you got to believe and be baptized. So baptism of, all right, so we're okay with that one. We're good there. But verse 17, and these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. So some groups go, nope, 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 we don't do that. We'll do verse 15 and 16, but we won't do verse 17. And others go, yeah, we do that too. Charismatic, speaking new tongues, the whole bit. Then verse 18, they, they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Oh, nobody does verse 18. Only the crazies in Kentucky and Tennessee do verse 18. And it's like, wait a second. If you, if, first of all, if you rightly divide your Bible, you understand what's going on. If you don't, then you don't. So then you got to pull up all of these gimmicks to get around it. And they'll say, well, 
we should leave it out, but then originally it wasn't out, but later it was at, 100 years later it was added in. So we're going to do, you know, and it's just all this, you know, crazy. Bible believers, common sense says we need it to finish the story. Now, you and I, as we study a little more deeper than Bible believers, we understand what's happening rightly divided. Now, in verse 15 through verse 19, verse, uh, verse 19, so then, after, so then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God, and they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following amen. And again, in Mark's uh, MO, mode, Boom, quick. Here it is. We're done. He's gone. There's no appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no being seen. There's none of, and, and except for the allusion there to Mary Magdalene, that, and that's about it. There's no detail. Okay? Verse 14, Afterward he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and unbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. So the 12, he's got the apostles together. They meet. He's teaching them. He's getting on them. And then in verse 15, 16, 17, 18, he's going he's gonna to give them a post-resurrection commission. Now, there's one in Matthew 28, here in Mark 16, Luke 24, John 20, and Acts 1. And at the end of each of the Gospels, there's a set of information, a set of instructions for them to know what they're going to do after his ascension. Verse 19, where is he's gone, he's sitting. What do they do? Verse 20, they go to work. See? So there's some instructions here. There's a post-resurrection and a pre-ascension time period in here. Acts 1, he says 40 days. Pentecost, uh, the time from unleavened bread and the feast schedule there to Pentecost is 50 days. So we know he spent 40 days and he's got this time in here with them and so forth. So what is happening here is most then will call these passages, Matthew 28, Mark 16, Luke 24, John 20, the Great Commission. And that is not true. It is actually a slap in what they're doing here because the Lord does communicate after his ascension. Come to 1 Corinthians 15. And that's important because when people say that, that, he, that this is the Great Commission and the Lord doesn't talk anymore after this, that isn't the case at all. Because in 1 Corinthians 15, we ha Paul has him talking to him after the resurrection and after the ascension. So 15.5, and then he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve, and after that he was seen of above 500 brethren at once. Verse 7, after that he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. That's where we're at in Mark 16. Luke 24, Matthew 28, John 20. Now look at verse 8. And last of all, he was seen of me also as of one born out of due time. So obviously, Paul, come over to Galatians, 
chapter 1, Galatians 1, Galatians 1, run over to Ephesians 3 just real quick first. Hold on to Galatians 1. Ephesians 3, verse 1. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, if you've heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given me to you, how that by revelation he, Jesus Christ, made known unto me the mystery. So Christ does speak again after the resurrection and after the ascension, and he's speaking to the apostle Paul. And what's he speaking? Verse 5, verse 3. As I wrote, a few, he's speaking the mystery. As I wrote a four and a few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge and the mystery of Christ, when other, when, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Notice it's not revealed by the Lord Jesus Christ. It's revealed by the Spirit as Paul does what? Write a four and a few words. As he, now come over to Galatians 1. And it's important to catch this as we begin talking about these Mark 16, 15, because Mark 16 is not the dispensation of grace. It is not the body of Christ. And what everybody does is they try to make it into something that it's not. Galatians 1, verse 11, Paul says, But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man, for I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, now watch, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Notice it's not by Jesus Christ. It's of. He personally appears to Paul and gives him the information. So when we come back to Mark 16, 15, it's, it's not the dispensation of grace, the body of Christ, by simply saying, well, the Lord doesn't appear to anybody else after the resurrection or after his ascension, when in fact he does to the Apostle Paul. So God had hid that information. He doesn't reveal it until Paul is on the scene. So in Mark 16, we're reading instructions to the little flock. We're reading instructions to the apostles as they're now going to go and face the 70th week of Daniel. They're going to go into trouble now. Okay, that's where they're headed. So there's a post-resurrection here, and there's a commissioning here, and all four Gospels and then Acts all have to do with time past Israel's program and where they're headed, okay? Now, what happens is, is this begins to help us understand some things. And I was going to put the chart up, but we're going to do this instead, okay? So here we are. And we have John the Baptist, we have the Lord Jesus Christ, we have the 12 as they begin to work on the little flock, all right? We have Calvary. Now, Daniel 9, it's 69 weeks to this point, remember? Daniel 9, it's after that, then the Messiah is cut off, okay? He's buried, he comes up, he ascends up, and then in Acts... Two, we have the day of Pentecost. If you remember 109 lessons ago or whatever we're on, we talked about there's a gap of time here. This is 69 weeks of Daniel 9. 
This is a gap of prophetic time that nobody knows the date, the time, or any of it for, where some events have to carry out. The, the Messiah's cut off, the city's destroyed, the temple's destroyed, rumors of, of wars and desolations and all that stuff happening. Now, in Acts 2, we begin to see the issues there through 7, and Israel falls. All right, so what would be the next thing? Stephen sees him standing. It's time to come back and wrath. Well, we know that in 9 to 28, we have an interruption in the dispensation of grace in the body of Christ, and Paul begins. Now, when the dispensation is out, then we're meeting up here, and we're into the heavenly places. We're still in the gap. So the dispensation of grace gaps the gap. So there are gaps in your Bible, by the way, okay? Now, the 70th week is going to start, and it starts in Revelation 6 with the signing of the covenant with the Antichrist, the peace policy. It ends with the second coming. That should go there, sorry. Okay? This is the second coming, and then we have the establishment of the millennial kingdom, a thousand-year reign, and then we have Lucifer, or Satan is cast into the bottomless pit. We'll talk about that in just a minute. And then he's let loose, and then there's great destruction, and then we have the great white throne judgment, and then we have the new heaven and earth, and we have everybody cast into the lake of fire. Now, I'm putting all that up there just quickly because of where these post-resurrection commissions are going to fit, As, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at them, okay? We're going to deal with 1615. And then I'm going to drop them in. Now, Paul's commission is a grace commission. The grace commission today as ambassadors for Christ is he would have all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. That's our job. That's our purpose. We talked about that Sunday. <laughs> okay? None of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John have anything to do with us. By the way, you've got three and a half years, three and a half years, 42 months, 42 months, 1,260 days, 1,260 days. There's 75 days there between the two events, okay? Now, Mark 16, I did that really quick, so, but we've been through it quite a bit in our studies over the years. Now, look at 1615, because there's help when we begin to understand what's happening in Israel's program, okay? You remember we, in Luke, uh, all of them, the law and the prophets were unto who? You remember? Till John. Now the Lord says, I, I didn't come in, I came in to fulfill the law, not to do away with it. So we know the law and the prophets are still involved here. But now what's the issue? The kingdom. The law and the prophets were until John. Now it's the kingdom, and every man presses into it. So what, what's happening in Israel's program is that there is new developments. There's movements within the program. It doesn't just stay stagnant of the law and the prophets and nothing else. There's a progression of movement here now 
And what helps understand that is, is the end of these, of these Gospels. Because what the Lord is going to do when he talks to the disciples, the apostles, the little flock, getting them ready for the next step, is there's a developing theme now. We're here, okay? He just died. He was buried, and he rose again. Now he's about to ascend, Acts 1. There's a next development here of what they're going to be doing during the gap, during the prophetic gap. There's a prophetic gap here. This is a mystery gap. No one knew about this. When Daniel saw Daniel 9, when he saw the timeline, the times of the Gentiles, he looked right over that. The chart, if it was up there, would be closed. Mark 16, 15. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Okay? Now, <laughs> there's an... Let me catch back up here on my notes real quick because I'm like, I went five pages over. i got to come back here to the passage. There's a development now within their program. Their program is expanding. Now think about there's the development of his crucifixion. They didn't know about it. He, teach, he, tra- he teaches them. They argue, they argue until it happened. Think about the development of his resurrection. They didn't know about it. They come to the tomb looking for him to be dead. So they're coming, they're beginning, now Luke 24, they're going to have their eyes opened. They're coming to understand some things. And now they're going to be brought into the next opening, the next developing situation. Mark 16, 15, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That is a development in their audience. Okay, go, to, go back with me to Matthew chapter 10, but we're stopping 24 on your way. When he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, the gospel is the gospel of the kingdom, not the gospel of the grace of God. They didn't know anything about that. So there's a development here. Uh, of really, it, it's, not a de- it's not a development in the gospel, it's a development in the audience, because now it's going to everybody. But look at Matthew 24, and verse 1. And Jesus went out and, and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another, that shall, be over, uh, shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? So now this is the Olivet Discourse, okay? For two chapters, chapter 24 and 25, He's going to give them information about the signs concerning the end of the world and the coming and so forth. Now, just run real quick over to 26.1. And it came to pass when Jesus had finished all these sayings, he said, uh, sayings, he said unto his disciples, Ye know that after two days is the feast of Passover, and the Son of Man is betrayed to be crucified. 
So think about this now. He just gets done going through the Olivet Discourse, 24 and 25, and in two days, what's going to happen? He's dead. Not two years, not six months, two days. Then he's going to be buried, and he's going to be three days, and then he's up. So there's not a lot of time here. And by the way, you can never show anywhere in this time of two days or so forth where he teaches them, Paul's my gospel. Doesn't happen. Now come back to 24.14. So in this training, 24.14, the gospel, what did he say? Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. Well, look at 24.14. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached to all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. So which gospel are they thinking about when he gets done and in two days he's going to die and third day he resurrects? You know, they're not thinking. They know nothing about Paul. They, they're thinking about what? The gospel of the kingdom. And the gospel of the kingdom. Now, now let's think about that. Come back to chapter 3. Because in chapter 3 of Matthew, we get the kind of the detail here, the summation of the gospel of the kingdom. You have John the Baptist, verse 1. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Verse, oh, verse 5. Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all other regions round about Jordan and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who have warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Now, think about verse 2, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So what does John do? First thing out of his mouth is, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Water baptism's on the table, and it's designed to keep you from the wrath to come. The generation, the gen generation, not so much age or number-wise, but they're being generated by that satanic policy of evil. They're generated, they're produced. So part of the gospel of the kingdom is going to be this issue about the wrath is coming. God is sending his wrath to destroy the satanic captivity over Israel, the okay? and take the believer on into the kingdom. Look at verse 11, 3.11. I indeed baptize you with water under repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will, pur he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat, believers, into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff, unbelieving Israel, with unquenchable fire. So when they, so back in Matthew twenty four fourteen, the gospel of the kingdom has to do with the kingdom's coming. It's at hand. It's here now, but there's a wrath involved that's designed to purge out the rebel, to purge out the dross to get rid of the unbelieving element of Israel. You have to think, remember, Israel comes out of Egypt under Moses, a mixed multitude. There are mixing, there's believers and unbelievers, not just believers, they're both. 
And we got to get that unbeliever out. And how do we do that? The rod, the rod, the wrath, the, all of it. So when, when they talk about the God, when he says in 1615, you're going to go preach the gospel to all every creature and go out there, he's talk, they are familiar with what he's talking about when he says gospel. They're not guessing. The, different, the progression now is it's going to the, all the world. And that's where chapter 10 of Matthew comes in. So in Mark 16, clearly the gospel is the message that they've been taught, Matthew 10, all along. Not the gospel given to Paul, not the dispensation of grace. There's literally no change here. So when we come across here, he, we're here, the conversation is here. He's about ready to go up. We got that Acts 1, we got those 40 days happening right here. Nothing's changed. They are, they're moving on. They're moving to here and to here and to there. They're not going, okay, wait a minute. We got a 2,000-year break here. Whew. You know, no, they're moving. This is a, that's a hidden thing. So when you think about what's happening here, it has nothing to do with you and I. So to take Mark 16 and put it on us today is being dishonest with the Scripture. But right division helps clarify that. And what else helps clarify it is Matthew 10. Matthew 10. So again, we're progressing. There's a, there's a progression. We started back here. Now we're here. Now we're here. And we're progressing through this. And what these post-resurrection commissions do is give that information that's going to come in and and help them do their commission, which is Matthew 10. In Matthew 10, just like John 17, Matthew 10, John 17 is the real Lord's Prayer. Matthew 10 is the real Great Commission. It starts verse 1, And when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. So he's got 12. There's, there's two issues there that he's going to give them power. The unclean spirits, that's the satanic captivity that Israel sits in. And then heal, that's the physical healing. And those two categories, you can take all of the Lord's miracles and put them in those two categories. And those two issues go all the way back to Exodus 4 with Moses and the two signs that Moses is to show Pharaoh and to show Egypt that he's their deliverer, okay? So what are we going to do? By the way, this is exactly what the Lord's going to do when they set up the kingdom. What's he going to do? He's going to take Satan and bound him a thousand years. So he's going to release and, and, and remove Satan's influence and pressure, okay, off of the sea. He's going to get rid of the satanic captivity and issues. And then he's going to come over away, and he's going to take away. the Why? There's no more sickness, there's no more worry, and there's no more hurt in the kingdom. So what is he going to do? He's going to take away the source of sin, Satan, and his satanic policy. And then he's going to come over here and take away the curse of the sin. So Satan being bound in a bottomless pit takes away what Eve said. The devil made me do it. Can't say that anymore. What made you do it? Sin did. And the answer to sin is sitting right there on the throne, and that's where we've got to go. Now, verse 2. 
Now, the names of the 12 apostles. Notice they start as disciples, and now they are apostles because he's empowered them. There's 12 of them. Why? There's 12 tribes. There's 12 princes. In our Luke study, we went through that a couple uh, lessons ago. There's 12, chapter 19, and I think it's about verse 27 or 28. He goes, you're going to sit on the 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes. Now watch verse 5, because here's the commission. He names them in verse 2, 3, and 4. The, these 12 Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, here it is, Go not in the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as ye go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely ye have received, freely give. And there's the commission. Where are they not going? To the world. They're not to go to Gentiles, and they're not to go to the, the Samaritans, the ten northern tribes. Where are they going to go? To the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So this ministry is exclusive to Israel only. That's why in chapter 15, when the lady at the well, he ignores her, he ignores her, the Syrophoenician lady, he ignores her, and finally he just says, I'm not sent to the, but to go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So his earthly ministry, he has come to gather together the believing remnant in that nation, and then he's, now again, that's what the four Gospels are all about. Now, at this moment, he has that little flock gathered together. He's leaving them, and he's going to give them their job. This is what you're going to do while I'm gone. So the little flock is gathered together. you got a job to do. He's expanding their ministry now. We're going to go here, and now we're going to the world. Now, you have to remember something in this kind of a, a sideline. Come back with me to Genesis chapter 12. Because what gets lost in some of this is he's not being anti-Gentile or anti-Samaritan. <laughs> you know, a lot of anti-Semitic stuff going on today. All right? He's not doing that. There's a procedure here. Genesis chapter 12. The whole issue in saving Israel was then to have an agency that was designed to take the truth of God out then to everyone else. The instruction was never to be, the intention was never to be just one nation. The intention of choosing Abraham and his seed and the seed line was to create a vehicle that would then go out to everybody. Genesis 12 verse 1. Now the Lord had said, and I emphasize had, this is, this is happening back in chapter 10 and 11 events. Had said unto Abram, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house into a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. The purpose for saving Israel is so that Israel would be the vehicle through whom God's blessing could then flow out to all the other nations. Come over to chapter 22. We know chapter 22 of Genesis. We have that great picture of Calvary. We know it now at the time 
Abraham and them had no clue about Calvary. They were just, he, Abraham did know that he was going to have to resurrect Isaac if he killed him because he's the seed. So Abraham believed in resurrection. That's part of the, that's the un- fundamental promise there is eternal life. But look at verse 15. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. Now watch. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Now let's think about that. In thy seed. Now everybody says Christ. True. But in the context, it's not Christ. It's the multiplied seed. Verse 17. The multiplied seed of Abraham is designed to be a what? A blessing to everybody else. Now, The problem with Abraham's seed is our problem. We're all kin to Adam. They're sons of Adam. So in order for them to be a blessing to the nations out there, where do they need to be? In Christ. Okay? So it's Abraham's seed who are in Christ. See, it's redeemed Israel that then the blessings are going to flow to all the Gentiles. That's why... It's a fear not little flock. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. That's why there's a believing remnant and an apostate nation. Because remember in Luke, he says, the publicans and sinners justified God being baptized of John. But the lawyers reject the counsel of God by not. See, they make that decision of believe or not. So when you come back to Matthew here, Matthew 10, The ultimate goal was always to have redeemed Israel carry out the salvation of God to the Gentiles and then redeem the Gentiles from the satanic captivity and from their sin, the curse of their sin. Same issue. Redeem them. Bring them out of that. That's why in Isaiah you read about, hey, or in Ezekiel, go do to them what you did to us and and all of this back and forth. So the, that, really, that's what the kingdom is all about. It's, it's getting out from underneath the, the source of sin and the curse of sin. And in Matthew 10, that's what's happening. So when we go back into Matthew 10, and he says, don't go anywhere. Go to the lost sheep of Israel first. Why? Because Israel's got to get right. It's redeemed Israel that then turns and takes the message out to the nations. Okay? Now, Matthew 10, if you look at verse, um, well, verse 6, 7, and 8, that's the, the um, earthly ministry of Christ. Verse 14 down to verse 18, there's going to be doing some things not during the earthly ministry of Christ, but they're happening in this gap going into the, tribu- and into the tribulation, okay? So there's some things that are happening there, like in verse 18, And ye shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. Verse 17, But beware of men, 
where they're, they're going to hate you. Gonna, there's going to be violence. See, all of that is gap stuff. Okay? Now, watch verse 19. But when they deliver you up, take no thought of how or what ye shall speak, for it shall be given you in that same hour what ye shall speak. For it is not ye that speak, but the Holy Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. Now, we know they get the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2. So while all the persecution is going on, you got the Holy Spirit, you've got what Hebrews 6 calls the foretaste of the new covenant. Okay, so you're going to get a foretaste of the new covenant, that empowerment of the new covenant. By the way, the new covenant does not go into uh, validate, uh, ratification until the second coming, but they get a taste of it, they, they're energized by it, and off they go. So Acts 2 is an expansion in the program because now we've got who? The Holy Spirit on board. John 7 verse 39 says that uh, the Holy Spirit can't come until the Lord's glorified. So he's risen, boom, now the Holy Spirit can come and now they can get moving that little flock movement, okay? See, a lot going on here. But if you don't put it together, then you get Mark 16, Luke, all this stuff jumbled up and then you get it to us and we're like, that's not us. Okay, I got, well, I got to get going. Verse 23, but when they persecute you in this city, flee ye into another. For verily I say unto you, ye shall not have gone over the cities of Israel till the, son, uh, till the Son of Man become. I'm in Matthew 10, I'm sorry, verse 23. All right, the cities of Israel until the Son of Man become. That's the second coming. You're not, going to get all the, you're not going to get all of Israel done before I come back, the cities of Israel, okay? Now, you've got to remember that. we got the city issue, okay? Verse 40, drop down to 1040. He that receiveth you receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. He that receiveth a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he that receiveth righteousness, uh, I'm sorry, a righteous man, in the name of a righteous man, shall receive a righteous man's reward. Where do they receive their reward? In the kingdom. See how that, that whole chapter, it starts in the earthly ministry, and it goes all the way out to the kingdom. That's why it's the Great Commission, if you have to have a title for it. Where are they going to start? Israel first. They need that little, they need that believing remnant to pull through all of this, okay? Now, again, we're not in the picture, okay? We are today, but in this. Now, come up, come back to Mark 16. So when you think about what's happening here, the whole of it, it starts in Matthew through John and then into the Acts period. Now think about how it's, <laughs> they're going to start here, they're going to go through here, they're going to go through the trib, and they're going to go into the kingdom. Now think about how e at the end of each of these Gospels, 
we get a, an extended picture, an extension here of information. Matthew presents him as the king. Mark the servant, Luke the man, and John pictures him as deity, God. And that's how each of this information now is going to be, is going to be worked out. So in Mark 16, 15, as he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. There's no change in the program. The little flock is set. It's there. Now it's time to go to the Gentiles. Now it's time to get on with the program. Now go back to Mark 13 because he's already told them this. And that's what's crazy about this. When you read the books and you listen to the Christian uh, the, the, the preachers, I guess. <laughs> He's already gone through the. Look, look at Mark 13. Look at verse 5. 13, 5. Now, this is the same as we were in Matthew 24 there, the Olivet. He says, And Jesus answering them began to speak, Take heed lest any man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and he shall deceive many. And when ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, be ye not troubled, for such things must needs be, but the end shall not be yet. You guys are going to hear all this rumor out there. It ain't here yet. See? Now, you hear nonsense today of, oh, the end's here. That verse just said, when you hear the rumors of war, which is what Daniel 9 says is going to happen in here, wars, desolations, floods, and all that, earthquakes, it ain't here yet. Verse 8, you know what it is? For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be earthquakes in divers place, and there shall be famines and troubles. These are the beginning of, you know what is going on? It's not the end, it's the beginning. And you guys need to pay attention to this. But, verse 9, take heed to yourselves. For they shall deliver you up to councils, and in synagogues ye shall be beaten, and ye shall be brought before rulers and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them. That's Matthew 10, verse 15, 16, 17, and 18. And the gospel must first be published among all nations. Which gospel? The gospel of the kingdom. All right? So he's already told them in verse 10 what he's now going to amplify in chapter 16. He just told them, guys, don't get sidetracked by all the stuff. It's the beginning of sorrows. You need to pay attention to yourselves, and you need to get on with preaching the message that I've given you to preach, and you're to publish it, you're to preach it out there to all the nations. In 1615, he's just simply expanding that ministry now in the context of the tribulation. So Mark 16 is going to fit over here, but it's also going to fit back here. Why? Because in this gap, what is it? That's tribulation, see. Now come to Luke 24. And this is what we're, everything, you got you to pay attention here because the dispensation of grace puts all this on hold. Okay? Luke 24. Here's the very similar situation. <laughs> Verse 45, Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. 
And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remissions of sin should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Now we got some added information here. He's opening their understanding, and he says, You're going to go. You're going to go preach out there to all the nations, publish it, but where are you going to start? Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. Who's that? Holy Spirit. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be empowered, endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass, while he blessed them, he was parted from them, carried up into heaven, and they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continual in the temple, praising and blessing God. Amen. Where are we at? Well, now we're in Acts 2. You see, he gave them the commission, and then what did he do? He leaves. Here's what you're going to go do while I'm gone. And you're going to start at Jerusalem. That's where you're going to start. Okay? And you're going to go out among all the nations. Now, come over to Acts. Uh, actually, you know what? Among all the nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Um, look over at Acts 1. Don't let me forget about Matthew 28. Look at Acts 1 and verse 6. Acts 1, verse 6. When they therefore were come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Now think about that. Where are we going to go? We're going to go Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. All right? So that's all, that is the cities of Israel. Remember what he said? Matthew 10. You're not going to get all the cities until I come back. But Acts 1.8 said, then what are we going to do? Then we're going to go to the uttermost parts, right, of the earth. That's the nations. This is where Matthew 28 comes in. Now, go back to Matthew 28. Matthew 28. So, all four start back here. We're in the gap. He's, we're right here. This is where we're at. I changed color on purpose because I just picked up the wrong chalk. <laughs> it's The other one's over there. Anyway, here's the city of Israel. You're not going to make it until I come back, and then you're going to do what? Then you're going to go... On. Now look at Matthew 28 and verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Now that's a bold proclamation at this moment. 
Now, Hebrews says that he died so he would have victory over Satan and that he would hold the keys of death and hell. We know that 1 Corinthians 15 and so forth. When does the Lord have all power in heaven and earth? Kingdom. Okay, now keep reading. Go ye, so who's going to be the ye? Little flock, believing remnant of Israel, the redeemed Israel. Therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Now think about the ye. Redeemed Israel. Numbers 23, verse number 9 says that Israel is not numbered among the, the nations, the Gentiles. Okay? Jeremiah 31, the new covenant says that all of Israel will know me from the least. They'll know me. They don't have to go to their brother and say, hey, know the Lord. They'll know me. I'm empowering them. That doesn't happen until the second coming. That's when it's in. They have a foretaste of it over here to get the power to do. We'll see that in the John Commission. So here, and then he says, here, what are you going to do? You guys are going to go out into the nations, and you're going to be teaching, and you're going to baptize. You're going to teach them the law. By the way, the, Mos the Mosaic law? Nope. The Messianic law, the New Covenant law. Actually, in Ezekiel, he says, they come to him and say, hey, what you did to us, do it to them, <laughs> the Gentiles. And then they're going to baptize them in that formula everybody uses. The first time, the only time you see that formula is in a millennial kingdom setting to Gentiles. And that's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And the reason is, is a Gentile doesn't know the Father, doesn't know the Son, and doesn't know the Holy Ghost until they meet up with that believing remnant. Now we're doing the uttermost parts of the earth. Did I lose you? Okay. So the commission of Matthew 28 back here fits in the millennial kingdom. That's where it goes. Not today, not on the mission field, back there. Okay? Now, Luke 24 focuses Matthew... We're going to do Mark 16, Luke 24. Luke 24 with Acts 1. There, go, to, go back to Mark 16. Sorry, I get your page turning while I'm talking. Mark 16. Luke is, what is going to focus in on what they're to do, which is the beginning at Jerusalem. And then Acts comes in and says, Jerusalem, then Judea, Samaria, and then the uttermost parts. So I'm going to write in the gap, starting in Acts through the trib. Or actually, it's Millennial Kingdom. Okay? So we're going to go MK. All right? Millennial Kingdom. Now, Mark 16, verse 19. Mark 16, 19. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. 
Well, what's he doing? He's moving, isn't he? He's just instructed them in verse 15 and 16 of what, the, of what they're going to be doing in his absence. And literally what Mark 16 is dealing with, and we're going to see this as we go because we're not going to get into 16 and 17 and 18 tonight, is we're going to see their activity in the tribulation but in this gap as well because, again, we're, this isn't in the way. There's a lot of things, trouble coming their way. they got to be able to handle and work down through, okay? Now, what about John? Because everybody has a fit about John. So come over to John chapter 20. So Luke focuses in on the Acts period all the way down through, all right, through the gap. Mark focuses on the tribulation aspect in the gap as well as the 70th week, if I can say it that way. Matthew is focusing in on the millennial kingdom. All right, so we'll put Mark 16 over here. All right. But John 20, no one likes John 20 because they just look at it and they go, huh, what's all that about? So go back to, you should be at John, I got to get to John 20. John 20 and starts in verse 19. John, 9, uh, John 20, 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for the fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in their midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. Now, this is Luke 24, Mark 16. It's right where we're at the whole time. And when he had so said, he showed him unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Now watch what he does, verse 21, because here it is. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you. As my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. So the Father sent him with the kingdom. I'm sending you with the kingdom, message. Verse 22. And when he had said this, he breathed unto them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Now, they don't get the Holy Ghost here. When do they get the Holy Ghost? Acts 2. He hasn't been glorified yet, John 7. So what is he doing here? He's promising them, if you will. He's giving them a, 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 a foretaste of that new covenant, of the power. Here it comes. Verse 23. Whose Soever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins are retained, they are retained. Now, who can forgive sin? Only God can. But he just gave them power. And this is the verse that gets everybody trouble. And this is the verse the Roman Catholics use in order to say that the, the priest who's acting in his bestead can forgive sins. But based upon the fact that the Holy Spirit is going to come... What does he do? He gives them the power to act in his absence. He's leaving. He's going to meet. He's going to sit up there till it's time to make his enemies his footstool, and he's coming back. Whoops, I went too far. He's coming back. He's bringing in the kingdom. 
John 20. They have the capacity now to act in the absence of Christ. They have the capacity to act in, on his behalf. Again, no one can forgive sins, but Christ is saying to them, I'm going to give you my authority and I'm going to send you out to do it. As, the father, as my Father has sent me, so send I you. So Jesus Christ, he sits there and he says, look guys, I'm sending you out with my authority to act in my absence. I'm going to give you the spirit of the new covenant. I'm going to give you that power. He's going to put him in there. He's going to write the law in their hearts. That's why they don't have to speak. It's there. They've got it. They're, again, it's, it's not a permanent thing. That doesn't happen until second coming. And you're going to go, and you're, what you're going to do is you're going to have the power to, to, the power to do, and I'm the one causing you to do it. So John 20 is a power to do. And it starts here, and it goes all the way out to the second coming. And they have the power to go and to do the work needed for Mark 16, Luke 24, all of it. So John 20 is about the new covenant. It's about the kingdom. It's about the, Holy, the power of the Spirit working in and through them. They get a foretaste of it. And again, it's how they're going to accomplish all of the other. So when you go back to Mark 16, verse 15, what you begin to do here is you begin to see some things that, wait a minute, this is a, this is a, it's a next step in the program. It's an expansion of their program. What do we've got? We've got things happening here in this timeline. We only got 40 days. He gets them educated about the things pertaining to the kingdom. Then he sits there and he says, okay, also, you, this is what you're going to do in the kingdom, Matthew 28. In the gap here, when trouble starts, this is what you're going to be able to do, Matthew 16, verse uh, 17. And these signs shall follow them that believe. And the issue there is belief, faith. And then faith and then the signs associated with that. We'll talk about all that next time because time's up. Then in Luke 24, you're going to start in Jerusalem. But then in Acts 1, you got Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. Why? That's the cities of Israel. You're not going to get all that covered until I come back. You see how he just took that unprophesied time and he gave it a time limit? See, that's Matthew 10. Then he says, okay, now it's time to go to the uttermost parts because that means you've got over these guys here and here, and off they go. And then John 20, here's the power to do it all. And again, John pictures him as deity, as the son of God, and he gives them that power to accomplish. Um, just real quick, go back to Jeremiah 31. It's quoted in Hebrews 10, but Jeremiah 31, just so you understand what's happening here with uh, um, this issue of the, the power. Uh, And I know I keep saying they get a foretaste of it 
In, in Hebrews 6, verse 4, it says, For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come if they fall away to renew again them and so forth. That's why I said it's not a permanent thing. It's, you're, going to get a fort- you're going to get a tasting of it, but if you don't endure to the end, if you don't do, then you, you don't get it. Permanent. Okay? Greatest illustration of that is Ananias and Sapphira. They sell the land, but they only, they only partial back and all that stuff. Jeremiah 31, 31. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I, and that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. This is not body of Christ. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was a husband unto them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. And in Ezekiel 36, he talks about the spirit working. Okay? Ezekiel 36. Come over there. So when we talk about this issue in the kingdom... They don't need to be educated. They're there. And the reason, Ezekiel 36, uh, 25. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean. From all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you. A new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. So they're going to get a new body. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgments and do them. And you shall dwell in the land that I gave in your fathers, etc. And then in verse 37 and 38, they begged the Lord to do it for the Gentiles and that's in the millennial kingdom. So they get a foretaste of it over here. They get the permanency there, which then allows them to do out what's needed for them to do during the millennial kingdom. Mark 16, just an expansion in the program. Nothing new. The gospel is the gospel of the kingdom. They're not talking about anything new. They're just, it's the next step. That's why Matthew is a transitional book. It's a dispensational book within Israel because we were in the law and the prophets, and now we're in the kingdom at hand. (laughs) Okay? Okay, big breath. A lot of information, a lot of things going on. I did that not to overwhelm you, but to just show you this stuff fits together. It's not distract. It's not. It's probably one of the few things where they actually all harmonize, because it's dealing with this gap that starts at Calvary, and is designed to run to the to the revelation here, Revelation six, the revealing of the Antichrist, and then that starts the seventieth week. And then we're off and running. In this gap of time here, these commissions are going to work out with Matthew 28 being accomplished in the millennial kingdom. When they get in the millennial kingdom, they will not need Mark 16. They will not need Luke 24. 
and they got John 20 given to them in a permanent basis. Okay? Okay, next time we'll jump into verse 16, one verse. We'll talk about the saved and the believed and how that's really nothing new to them either about believing and being baptized and so forth, okay? All right, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the evening, Lord. We thank you for your word, for the study of it, for the look into these things and for the marvel at how you have set your, the program for Israel to finish out and to be accomplished in its ultimate form. In your name we pray, amen.